Hi everyone, Enrico here, Moritz is next to me, and we have an announcement before we start the episode. Great announcement. So, uh, Tableau Software decided to sponsor Data Stories. That's and this is cool. This yep. is, of course, great, great news for us and for everyone, because we will be able to create more episodes. Yeah. Higher quality, higher audio quality. Audio gear, maybe, you know, proper <laughs> microphones for Proper us. microphones for us and for our guests, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. And we will be able to pay Nathan and Fabrizio, who've been editing data stories for quite a while for free. Yeah. Thanks, Nathan and Fabrizio. And, and so that's I great. Mean, <laughs> it, puts, it puts the whole project also on a bit more a solid feet. You know, it's been a Absolutely. spare time thing for us all the time. And now with a sponsor, we can sort of treat it a bit differently as well, which so, is great. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we should tell our listeners how this is going to play out. Yeah, I guess. So we will have two short snippets at the beginning and end of each episode. And a short section in the middle where we discuss the product and there's a special URL. So if you go to that URL on the Tableau side, they know actually they're coming from, you're coming from us and. Which is good. Yeah. Which is good. <laughs> uh, to Do it. Keep them Do doing it. it and so on. And yeah, that's about it. Okay. So let's start the show then. Let's get started. Data Stories is supported by Tableau Software, helping people see and understand their data. Get answers from interactive dashboards wherever you go. For your free trial, visit Tableau Software at T-A-B-L-E-A-U software.com slash data stories. That's T-A-B-L-E-A-U software.com slash data stories. Hi everyone, Data Stories number 42. Hi Moritz, how's it going? Hey Enrico, how's life? It's it's great, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Very good. A little bit hectic, but but great. <laughs> As yeah, usual. I'm super busy too, I'm really tired. Yeah. I, I wish it was I mean, Christmas busy, already. Busy is the new normal, yeah. right? I mean, so we should actually <laughs> yeah. meet and say, oh, you know I'm not busy. Yeah, yeah. I'm bored. I'm bored. <laughs> yeah. You know, vacation. <laughs> yeah. Well, I read all my comic books. I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but fall is always a bit crazy. And I knew it before, but I still, I'm still complaining, but it's okay. Yeah. I don't know. I'll have vacation soon. So. Really? I yeah. I'll, I'll try and finish work by Wednesday. So that's like two, three more days. Yeah, you are a lucky and wise man, man. Yeah. And then have like 10 days off or so. But that's part of why I'm so busy. Yeah. Okay. So Anyways. we will actually meet in Paris for this. That's right. In like 10 days or something. No? Fantastic. So we should organize some data stories uh, thing there. Yeah. Let's let's try and have a meetup or something. So if yeah. you guys are listening to this and uh, are coming to this, let us know. Just drop a line somewhere on Twitter or email or whatever. Just let us know. And um, that's a good idea. And we can good. sort of, yeah, we'll find a date and maybe Wednesday or Thursday and have can have an evening in a bar or some, something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And we will be, and by the way, we'll be, we will be reporting from this, right? At least that's we are true. planning to. Yeah. So let's see how this, this <laughs> thing That's totally going to work out. No, we, we should definitely do that. Yeah. Yeah. Some live, live coverage. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Let's do that. Um. So we have uh, another special special guest today, and uh, an old friend of us. Actually, he's been on the show already in the past, and That's we are true. very glad to have Santiago Ortiz with us again. Hi, Santiago. 
Hi, Enrico. Hi, Moritz. How is it going? Good, good. Fantastic. Uh, we are so glad to have you on the show again. That's going to yeah, be fun, I'm, I'm sure. Glad, yeah. So, Santiago, you know, we, we ask our guests to introduce themselves. So, can you spend a few words explaining who you are and what you do? Okay, Santiago Ortiz here. Uh, working on interactive information visualization for, I don't know, 15 years or something. Uh, recently uh, publishing a lot of experiments and research and more recently working on more client-based sort of projects and introducing some data science into the, into the projects and to the offer to the client. So mixing data science and an interactive data visualization. That will be pretty much my current state of affairs. <laughs> Fantastic. So, and, um, so I'm curious to hear, so you said that you're doing experiments. What do you mean exactly by experiments here? Well, yes, in the last, let's say, three years uh -huh. after leaving Bestiario, I was working at Bestiario, a company I, I actually co-found in, in Spain in 2005. So I left the company two years ago and, and started, started doing a lot of experimentation, a lot of research, trying to find new ways to, to, to visualize data and especially in the, uh, taking advantage of interaction, movement, uh, etc. In, and also at the time I, I changed from ActionScript to JavaScript. So mm -hmm. it was also about learning the new language, building again my, my framework, etc. But a lot of experimentation before I started working for clients. So I created like my own portfolio based on those research projects. And only one year after, after that, I started like having like work opportunities and start working for clients, which is pretty much what I am doing now. So you are basically a freelancer, right? So. Well, the last month I've been uh, working with with more and more people. So actually, it's like I am building a team right now. So that that's why I changed a little bit my website instead of saying just Moevio and and presented it as a a portfolio. Now it's more it says Moevio Labs and it's more a team. I am working with 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 people and in the in the in this team. Uh, the, the most stable people are Javier Moreno, which is a data scientist, and Daniel Aguilar, which is an interactive developer and project manager uh, that actually worked in in Bestiario in the past as well. And more, we will for sure uh, work with more and more people because it's crazy how how many projects and clients are contacted. So <laughs> many opportunities. Yes, that, that's so interesting. Yeah, it's like a fantastic moment, I think. So where are you guys located right now? Well, I I continue living in Argentina, in a in a small town, two hours far from Buenos Aires. Uh, Daniel lives in Barcelona. Javier is now based in Toronto. Uh, let's see. 
who else will join the team <laughs> from which place of the world yes maybe somebody from Asia who can you yeah, can exactly. cover all that would be zones, awesome huh? you know why why is not a str- there's, there's no a strong connection with people from Asia in data visualization at least the people I know the community I know true, there are yeah. not a lot of people from Asia yeah. from Japan for instance yeah it's, it's, it's strange And, and I will totally love to, I don't know, to work with people there and to have clients there. That will be awesome. Yeah. So I really like the fact that you are defining lots of your work as experimentation. I think that's the reason why when people are shown your work, they are mostly blown away because what you present is so different from what many of the other guys in data visualization are doing. So how, I'm just curious, how do you, i mean, so I know it's a very general question, but w- what is the goal for you? I mean, what what is the data visualization goal that you have in mind, assuming that it's one, right? How do you approach data visualization? Well, in the case of, of what I call experimentation, I, I want to make the point that it's not the same as data art. So, because sometimes these <laughs> two, two things could be confused. Obviously, there is a lot of creative process and, and, and dependent, dependently of, of the context, you can present this, uh, results as art, but the, the aim and the goal is not doing art. And, and I'm going to try to explain the difference. So um, you, you won't define yourself as a, as a data artist. Never. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not at all. That's funny, funny because I really see you as an artist. That's, that's really yeah, I, I understand you can, you can say that, but it's not what I am seeking. Because uh, data art is about creating something that has aesthetical and creative value, right? But my experimentation is about cognition. It's about finding new ways to communicate information. So it's, 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 it's a pragmatic goal, but the, the methodology is very explorative. But the, again, the goal is completely pragmatic and I, I always have in mind uh, uh, achieving results that could be useful for client projects. And when I say client projects, I, I, I think on organizations, companies or people that have very clear needs, uh, have questions, and have to make decisions and need ways to, to, to take value out of the data they, they, they have in order to make better decisions and to answer those questions or eventually to, to build a strategy around data, to start gathering data, whatever. But it's, it's very pragmatic. So not because it's a research and a, and an experimental is less pragmatic. It's just that I want to offer very different solutions from what it exists right now in the market. So my, my point of departure is the, the, what it exists right now in terms of visualization, at least the visualization and business intelligence and data analytics that companies are using. I think it's, it's like 0.1 as a version of what will come, <laughs> the, the future of visualization <laughs> being actually used for for totally pragmatic purposes will be totally different i am i am i am sure of that so i am trying to to get there faster and and the only way to to do that is by experimenting very very fast so, so I'm doing just... research projects like one per week or something like that so your experimentation happens 
within the scope of the work you do for your clients or out of that? I'm just curious it to is hear. Out of the scope, but then it, it connects. So many of the solutions uh, I create as a research project, many of them, or no, not many, some of them are then eventually uh, used in, cl in client projects. The ones that ended up being clearly useful. And by useful, I mean uh, they have cognitive power. That means it communicates things. Stories, structures, patterns, correlation, outliers, uh, data missing, whatever. But they, they really succeed somehow communicating something about the data and the information we have. So in, in those research projects, I came to different solutions. And, and I can actually name specific examples to sure, make the point be great. clear. Yes. So Please do. This, so Lostpedia. Lostpedia is about the Lost series. It, it's based on, on the scripts. So the data is all the scripts of all the episodes of Lost. So there are 100 or, or more episodes. And, and then I create these different approaches to, to understand the relation between characters, how, how they change throughout time, etc. This project, you, you could say it's, it's a piece of art in a way. It's, it's a research project. It's very experimental. It's very fun. So you can play with it. So it's, it's very playful. Okay. But the thing is that what, what, what I was really exploring on, on beneath was ways to visualize human interactions throughout time. And right now, I am actually applying some of those techniques to, to organizations, to actual conversations within companies. So this is one story about a, a, a project that starts as a research, but then uh, many of the results are being used for client, pro for client purposes, for, in this case, trying to help people are, uh, understanding what's going on in the companies, how the conversation are changing, how the conversation are correlated with other metrics within a company, etc. So, uh, Santiago, when, when you do that, like transfer these explorations to um, like a company context or like a very applied context, do you also evaluate, like maybe come back a year later or so and see how, how the tools have been used or how... How the use shapes, um, like you know, what 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 happens with them, or is it more like you you plant it somewhere and then <laughs> move on? No, 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 it's 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 part of what I want to build with Moebio as a team. Uh, it's mm -hmm. an extremely important part to keep a continual conversation with clients. Uh, we mm -hmm. always offer. Uh, a, a, a plan of based on iterations. So we, we rarely propose like to create a project and that's it. We always say to the client, okay, let's start with the first iteration and then continue improving. So we follow something that is quite similar to the lean methodology, but apply to, mm -hmm. to projects and based on very fast iterations. So each iter iteration is, is about one month and, and the first one being uh, very explorative. To, to better understand the data, to, to see what are the, the interesting structures. And we build very fast prototypes. We deliver to the client and we start immediately with, with, uh, evaluation. We ask it. So the mm -hmm. client uses, uses it. 
share with certain stakeholders, gathers feedback. We talk a lot with the client again in different sessions. Uh, we also test it from our side. And with that, the, 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 the thing that happened with this first iteration result and then evaluation from both sides and conversation is that we have a great basis of understanding of what's in the data, what are the opportunities, etc. For the second iteration, mm -hmm. generally speaking, we start addressing actual clients' needs and questions. So uh, very important uh, in this methodology is that uh, I and all the people involved from Moebio in this project should learn a lot about the client, about the client's context, the client strategy, uh, eventually about uh, competition, etc. So we we consume a lot of information about the client. We talk a, a lot with the client, and and we start gaining some uh, domain knowledge. And the conversation becomes more interesting and more related with the strategy. So for the second mm -hmm. iteration, we start addressing some of those points. So the result of the second iteration should actually start giving answers to questions the client uh, had. And, and the first iteration is only based on like the data and what you think is important? No, with what, conversation. What's the initial input coming from the also client? Also with conversation, but at first, generally speaking, mm -hmm. the client doesn't really know what's in the data. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. Or maybe they, they, they know what are the features of the data, but mm -hmm. not the, the interesting structures. So with the first iteration, we are actually helping them understanding what's really, really possible with the data. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. not just that the, the first iteration, this process ends, it, it continues. So with, with certain sure. clients, yeah. we are already working in the third or fourth iteration, and every new iteration gets closer to, to decision making. Uh, and we always, always use clients' feedback and stakeholder feedback, and we, in some cases, and it depends on the evolution of the project, but in some cases we can start actually measuring the, the return on investment. That is, start measuring how much the decision the client made using the, the, the entire project we created. So measuring the impact of, of, of this change in decisions. So they can, they can see really if, if the tool is being useful or not and how much and which parts of the tool. So if we identify that a particular part of the, of the project is really being helpful, is really being successful because the decisions based on the use of that tool, uh, are leading to successful outcomes, then we strengthen that part of the project, probably creating more modules around it or improving the visualization itself. It depends, but it's a learning process and we cooperate a lot with the client. So Santiago, mm -hmm. I'm curious to hear, so you, you mostly create interactive visualizations, right? At the beginning, you said that you create interactive visualizations and I'm curious, does this allow you when you work with your client to basically offload some of the data analysis to your clients? Or the data analysis itself, the discovery, uh, is something that you do with the tools that you develop. I'm just curious to hear that. At, at this point, I will say that what, what we do with our team is, is 
much more than data visualization. And it is, I will call that data strategy because we are working in many, in many areas and addressing different problems and visualization will be one of the tools. Uh, so it's really about keeping a quality conversation with client, understanding the needs and it's, the talk is more about the strategy. And then it, then visualization, data science, uh, infrastructure for data, all these other things or even strategies to gather new data, etc. Yeah, but I'm, like sorry if I interrupt you, but I'm curious to, to understand. So do you develop visualizations that then you give to your clients and they end up discovering something? Or it's more like you use the tool, you discover ah, some okay. interesting patterns, and then you go back to them and say, oh, this is, this is what I found. Okay, it's both. Because mm -hmm. every time I find something and I communicate to the client, I sort of open a door for the client to discover new things. These new things, the client will share with me. And that will open different doors to, uh, to, for me to start new discoveries or new, or start new analysis. So it's the conversation that, that contains that, that knowledge. It's both sides, uh, discovering things and communicating the discoveries. And in the conversation, the project evolves. Very interesting. And um, so, of course, so you mentioned that the, the fact that one of the phases that you have is understanding the, the domain knowledge, the domain and the language, probably, right? So myself, I, when I collaborate with, with people, normally scientists or researchers, I, I have a very hard time at the beginning understanding their language, and it's a very steep learning curve. So how do you deal with that? I don't know. For instance, in the past, I've been working with biochemists. It's very hard to understand their language, right? So, I mean, <laughs> it, it took me probably between seven, eight months just to be able to talk to them, right? So how, how do you deal with that? Do you have a strategy or now you're just get used to it or I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm curious okay in episode 42 yeah. we need a fish, of course. so <laughs> first, first a comment like yeah. a very you say that it's a very step learning curve yeah that that's good that means you learn fast <laughs> it's a problem I want the metaphor of the learning curve. Okay. That's another language yeah, part. Another language <laughs> yeah. part. Yeah. But I got it. So it's a steep a steep mountain yeah. to yeah. climb. I think that's what you meant. Right? <laughs> so okay. So Okay. Uh, what I do, first of all, for me, I don't see that exactly as a problem because at least in my case, and that that could be very personal, this is exactly what I want to do. So I, I am not really interested in data visualization. I am interested in the, in the context and culture and information about data. And visualization for me is like the window. You know? So whenever I have a challenge to start working with a client that has its own culture, language, and corpus of knowledge, uh, for me, it's like an awesome challenge. I have to learn a lot. As you say, it's, it's, it's hard and it requires a lot of your energy. Well, that's part of what I like of this work, actually, to, sure. to being able to enter new worlds, new mental worlds and new necessities, etc. So what I do, I read a lot. It's what I have to do. And I have to read a lot about many different subjects. Something I, I always tell to people that is starting learning 
data visualization is that for each book about data visualization they read, they should read nine books about other things because they should be prepared. They should be prepared to the, to the domain of the data they will work with. And it's impossible to know in advance. So what, what can mm. you do? You have to read about biology. You have to read about energy. You have to read about, uh, <laughs> development. You have to read, etc. So the, the, the more you read, the more you expand your, your, your general culture, especially things that are connected that are close to information and data. The, the better you can react, the faster you can react whenever a new universe uh, arrives to you with new knowledge and especially as you mentioned language. So, uh, in, in, ca in similar cases, I, I've been kind of lucky, I think, because I, I connected with people inside those particular universes that were very good communicated with the external world. So it was super helpful for me and I learned a lot. So one example of this is Alfonso Valencia uh, from a, an amazing research team at, at Madrid in, in, in biotechnology. Uh, and Alfonso was like a s incredibly good bridge between the, the super complex universe of of data they manage on a daily basis and, and what I wanted to, to build at the time. So, so I've been lucky, but also it is true. I, I have some sort of, uh, knowledge already, some very basic, very shallow knowledge on, on biology and, and biotechnology that allows me to at least start learning a little bit more and have some sort of intelligent conversation with these people. So, I don't think a data visualization person should be like have a very profound knowledge on the data she or he's working, but some basis, right? In order to at least understand the, the, the elements of the data and how they could be structured. And finally, uh, an interesting point, something that I've discovered is ignorance sometimes is super good. Because you see, <laughs> you course. see new yeah. structures. Yeah, you have fresh, yeah? fresh eyes. Imagine, yeah. imagine sure. you don't know anything about genetics and, and someone throws to you a, a, a gene, the information about a gene. Sure. Okay. Sure. What you see is just four letters in a sequence. <laughs> you don't know more than that. Maybe you will have a fresh approach to that problem. Maybe you will see different structures. Maybe not. It's very difficult, but in some cases, ignorance really works. Uh, for instance, now I am working with, with uh, marketing teams and they already have built some certain structures about how to address certain problems. And I am bringing kind of fresh ideas to the, to the field. So one very specific problem is how to segment ages in populations mm -hmm. and, and from my more data science approach and without domain knowledge, I, I just wanted to apply or find interesting algorithms to, to segment population in a, in a really good way. And that's something new for them. They never do that. They use like an already conventional established methodology to, to find segments that comes from, from an era in which they didn't have enough data to actually build a good segments uh, algorithm uh, for them. So you, you can sometimes provide fresh ideas when you are ignorant. 
Yeah, I mean, if you hop across the domains, of course, you can always take some techniques, you know, from one field. Uh, to exactly. The other. You are like a I agree. That can be the greatest yeah. fun to, to learn and, and to... Uh, and yeah, it's often very simple things. If you apply them in a new context, it's suddenly super exciting. It's super novel. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's the other thing. When you, you start seeing common patterns, let's, to continue with the, the, the two examples, imagine you start seeing common necessities or patterns in the data or patterns in the methodology between teams in biochemistry or biotechnology and a team, a marketing team. It's, it's an opportunity to transfer knowledge or strategies or, or a visualization methods, etc. So it's amazing indeed. And you, you operate, you will be, will be operating like a sort of B, pollinizing both, both teams. So this is a good time to stop for a moment and talk about our sponsor, Tableau Software. Data Stories is supported by Tableau Software, helping people see and understand their data. Tableau lets people connect to any kind of data and visualize it on the fly. Databases, spreadsheets, and even big data sources are easily combined into interactive visualizations, reports, and dashboards. What is your data trying to tell you? So, Moritz, how is your experience with Tableau? Uh, good. I mean, I, I, I can really say I work a lot with the software. Um, just this weekend, actually, so I received... A really big data dump, like around 40 gigabytes of CSV files from, from a big car manufacturer. And it, the task was really to find out what interesting things can be done with that data. And, um, if, especially if you have CSV files, the first thing I always do is like put it into Tableau and just quickly look what are the big sums, what are the averages, where are the gaps in the data. Uh, I had geospatial data, so I had coordinates so I could quickly make maps. And although these were huge files and very technical, I was I was seeing something within minutes, really, and that's I think that's amazing. Yeah, that's the same reason why I like it so much. Yeah. I think this is pretty much one of the most advanced software that we have out there. Yeah, you can just when when you want to start looking in the in a new data set, especially when it's new and you don't know exactly what is there, you can just load it and start quote quote unquote start playing with it. Right, right. right. And so you just open yeah. a new tab, a new worksheet for every new perspective you want to have. Um, then often I will like share specific results, like make little annotations. You can add annotations to data points, say like, oh, this is looking funny to me, or look at that peak, how can we explain it? And yeah, we'll lots pass of outliers, to right? the clients <laughs> or, or to my collaborators. Um, sometimes I will build little dashboards so you can set some filters and see how the map changes if you drill down to a part of the data, things like this. And all of this is, is super helpful to get to results real quick instead of first spending days of like transforming your data, <laughs> and, you know, somehow yeah. coding custom scripts. I'm now much more for quickly looking at it in Tableau and then deciding what to do because then, Absolutely. then you'll see. Yeah. And the good thing is that if you want to try Tableau for free, there is a free trial. For your free trial, visit Tableau Software at tableausoftware.com slash datastories, T-A-B-L-E-A-U software.com slash datastories. Don't forget the slash datastories part. Thanks a lot. Okay, let's continue. With so the, you have a lot of different people approaching you, I guess. Um, in your experience, what are the biggest, let's say, misconceptions people have, like... Because they often see like, oh, you do interesting things with data and we have data too. <laughs> and, you know, then and sometimes people expect the wrong things from, from 
data visualization or data science? What, what did you have any experience or do you have like any recurring experiences where people expect the wrong stuff? Or doesn't that happen at all? I or? do not have that kind of experience. The only thing, the only pattern I think is a little bit negative is that sometimes people want to, they have data and they see a particular visualization and they believe or think you can apply that visualization to the data. And that is just yeah. that. Because it's a network. Yeah, team. because exactly. Yeah. But it's, it's nothing so problematic because you can explain very easily, very yeah. fast that it probably won't work. And that for that purpose, the first, so in the first iteration, the, the, the first approach we have with clients, the, our first proposal, we do not commit with any sort of outcome. What we do is we <laughs> mention three possible ideas of the, of, of how it will look. But we are very clear saying, but maybe what we will end up doing is completely different. We don't know. So that's the first message I send to clients. And normally clients uh, are good with that. They are not anxious about the fact they are, they are starting a project and, and with, with, with an important budget, uh, without knowing. But don't you have, I, I mean, I have the situation often that the, the theme of the project is already defined by the title. Like it's a dashboard <laughs> or, you know, it's, oh man. Yeah. Or it's a globe, you know, or, you know, yeah. that sort of somebody comes up with this idea in some sort of meeting and then there's this bullet point and sort of the, the outcome is already defined before you even start to design. No, I don't, I don't allow you, you that. You don't have that? Maybe I am, I am very, very yeah, that's very intensive good. in the, in the message. And, and from the very, very beginning, yeah. I stress the fact that that that's not the way things will happen. I don't know. Open but, outcomes. But I, yeah. I, I haven't, uh, been involved in this kind of, of, of experiences. Like I'm very clear with yeah, that. Yeah, that's we, good. We because can't whenever it happened to me, the projects were always horrible. <laughs> yeah. So it's good no, that you don't no, no. allow you, it. And yeah. you, <laughs> it's never a good idea to accept that kind of situation. It's, it's, the data should tell you the, the way it will be represented. Yeah. And you have to, to yeah. allow the data to, to speak by itself. And maybe you will, you will. And find also, that. I assume you don't start without data, right? Or would you start the first iteration also just based on conceptual uh, exploration? Would that be an option too? Or do you say no data, no project? Maybe there are things that can be done, but it's very dangerous yeah. to, to try to start a project without data because then the data will arrive and data will, will have a very different story to tell. So, yeah. That, no. that, that's for me mm -hmm. a big, big no. I mean, so one thing that I that I keep saying is that I think one problem we have with data visualization is the name itself, because visualization communicates the idea that that the work is about is only about the visual representation, right? But it's oh. much much more than that. So I think the the two areas where, especially this is not captured, is the fact that in order to do good visualization, you have to do a lot of data analysis or data pre-processing, right? As you said, you first need to understand the data. So right? maybe we should call it data Yeah, whatever. And right? another area is, <laughs> is interaction, right? So in some cases, interaction is huge, but it's not captured by, by, by the word visualization, right? Visualization is basically the visual representation. And that's the reason why I think there are many people out there who pretend that the work is just mapping their data to whatever kind of representation they already have in mind. So Yes, and I think that's how things start. 
I, I can imagine a people, a person starting working with data and, and with not a lot of experience. The first impulse will be, I will have to find a, a method that matches my data and then make the link. Because if not, you are like alone by yourself with the data, what to do. So that's, that's another point. Only people that know how to code, I think, and, and are very fast coding could actually do good, uh, information exploration, especially trying to, to, trying to connect to visual approaches, to yeah. visual outcomes. So it's difficult. It's difficult. So I kind of understand that, that the, the, at the beginning, you, you have to use some already existing platform that contains some visualization and you start connecting. And then from that process, you, and maybe for, for certain, um, challenges and certain kind of data that could work. Okay. It's like the matches are already there. Like if you have, because you know the data structure, so you can, you know very well what's the, the structure of the data and the meaning of the data. So you match it with something that has exactly the same structure and meaning. And it kind of works, but in more complex projects in which a client has a huge data set that contains features that are numerical, dates, yeah, geography, but these, these categories. are the interesting projects, right? I mean, yeah. You can't that's the kind just of work connect. I want to do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's much more interesting and it requires a lot of exploration indeed. Because if not, what you will do is to slice the table. So isolate two list of numbers here, two list of numbers there, a, a list of categories so you can create a word cloud, etc. And then you build a, a dashboard a, a, that contains a scatter plot, a bar graph, etc. Because you slice the data so you find ways to visualize pieces and your approach could be uh, valid but completely uh, insufficient you will miss a lot of interesting things going on between different features so how to explore all the correlations so one approach is actually if only thinking on numbers is is combining all uh, couples of lists of numbers and, and drawing all the possible scatter plots, right? Yeah, so you sure. create a matrix of a scatter yeah, of That's course. a very well-known approach. Yeah. But then you have a problem. That is, correlations sometimes happen between more than two features. In ma many cases, you can have three features that one-to-one, -one, uh, they do not correlate a lot, yeah. but the three are correlated. Yeah. So it's, it's similar to the three bodies problems in physics. Like if you have two, it works good. You have a formula, you have a, an equation that describes the, the relation between two bodies. But when you have three bodies, it's something magic happened there and you can't use uh, simple analytics to solve the problem. The same happens with data. So slicing a table in different pieces, which is actually what, what happens normally in, in, in business intelligence, it gives you a very poor view of the data. So a real data science, data visualization project should explore in a more deeper uh, uh, and diverse ways what it's contained in the data. So when you said, I'm really curious to to dig deeper into, so a few minutes ago you said, I'm not interested in visualization. Uh, so I, I really like this sentence because you've been quite successful in this area. So what do you exactly mean when you say, 
I'm not interested in visualization. I think I know what you mean, but I'm, I'm curious to hear it from you. Well, it's, it's sort of a, a way to speak. I, I am interested in visualization, but visualization is not my object of a study. <laughs> visualization is what I use. The object of the study for me is data that comes from many different realities. And that's why I spent a lot of time studying those realities and not studying visualization. I do not read books about visualization and maybe I am missing a lot of interesting things, but I have to choose. I have to, to, to decide how to distribute my time. And, and I am more interested on the things that I am trying to visualize that on the visualization itself. And so far, I, I think this strategy, uh, paid like, like, it, it was good to spend that time uh, studying more this, the, the, the object than the, the tool, I think. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And also because I am not quite, uh, happy with what you can find in books about visualization, in blogs about visualization is that I do not find answers there. So maybe I can, I navigate blogs as anyone in the, in the field does. So I stimulate my eyes with different, uh, ways to draw connection between data, etc. But, but for me, it's the data that, that points the, the paths of, of visualization. Never some already existent methodology. And that way I, I am always open to, to new visualization, uh, approaches, right? So visualization, it is interesting, but it is interesting because it's a, it's a communication tool, an analytical tool that works with awesome realities. And, and, and that's what is really, really interesting. But don't you think there are some recurring, like, problems in data visualization and some recurring, like, well, things that work and things that don't work, <laughs> like, you know, regardless of, of domain? <laughs> Yes, and that's that's part of the beauty. When you find connection between domains, it's something like mathematicians uh, always enjoyed about different theories. They find yeah, isomorphisms, yeah. and that's beautiful. That's amazing. Uh, but again, it's beautiful in the context of those domains. If you only point like the, the structural own. match, it is interesting. But if you enrich this match in the, in the, in the, in the two contexts you are connecting is much more interesting. I, I totally agree that, that visualization, uh, contains sort of universal methodologies approach, but I don't see the good ones being explained in blogs and, and, and books. Also because Can you give us I think an example? we are just starting. Can you give us an example? An example of something. So, what I don't are the see, things that you would uh, like to see appearing in blogs and you don't see there? I'm just curious to hear that. Okay, I think that the main missing thing is that we don't have the stories of the people that use visualization. Yeah, that's, so, that's a whereas point. in data science, any mm -hmm. book, yeah, any book in data science contains stories about about the success of a particular method because it provides solution and answer to particular question in particular industries etc in visualization you don't see that you don't have this voice there is there is only one book as far as i know 
that try to 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 address this situation by by visiting people in companies that are companies that are using visualization to ask them how they are using uh, what is the return uh, of using it etc it's, it's the, the book is called the visual organization is written by uh, Phil Simon it's the only book that I know asks the, the the real users and without that feedback it's impossible to 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 improve our field because yeah, I, it's like oh, sorry, it's us testing our own tools and by by our own criteria right so we test it with the tools we have to test it that is perceptual tools in yeah. in 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 the in the best of the cases in the most uh, scientific and methodic cases is we we test visualization methods against perception and we ask questions hmm. about memory about perception etc but this is not really how visualization should be tested it should be tested in the real arena right so that's Absolutely. that's for me yeah. what is missing yeah. the most in books but, and books yeah let me tell you so there are a couple of things I, w I would like to mention here. First, I think that, so I think the reason why we have this situation is because I think most of the existing visualizations out there have a different purpose. So especially the with the advent of data journalism and the use of, of visualization to basically create a portrait of, of some data and communicating some pre-digested information, most of the existing visualization work has been skewed towards towards presentation, right? Not necessarily understanding anything. And um, hmm. and the second comment I have is that, but not in the scientific. Yeah, that's world, what I'm right? saying. Yeah, that's my second comment. So my second comment is that, um, honestly, I think this is an area where academic work has been much is actually much more advanced than than practitioners work as far as i can tell because which is a which is a total paradox i totally agree with that yeah it's yeah a but paradox let, because we <laughs> well, i don't know if it's a paradox i mean i think <laughs> that, that academic research should actually uh, should actually come first right i mean Sorry, i don't know interruption Oh, that's fine. We, we love babies and, and kids. <laughs> Interruption. Sorry. Give me Complaints five no, minutes. Let, let me mention okay. that because I, I think it's useful for, for our listeners. I think that, so I don't know how many, how many people are aware of that, but in the, in the context of the visualization conference, which has been, it's actually almost 20 years old now. Um, there is one, so if you look into the, into the guidelines on how to publish a paper there, uh, you can see that there are different kind of papers. So there is, for instance, something that is called techniques, evaluation. Sorry, I'm digressing, but I think it's useful. And there is one specific kind of paper that is called design study. And design study, mm -hmm. so if you look at the description of a design study, it doesn't really matter if you create a new visualization technique or or, or whatever new. What What is really interesting there is whether you learn something by deploying this system into a real-world context. And I can point you to quite a good number of papers there where researchers have done exactly what you are discussing here. So uh, talking with a group of people, trying to understand what's going on, developing a visualization, mm -hmm. iterating over and over again, trying to get something that works. And then what is really interesting, the very good ones tell a story about what they learned through this process. So if you go, so yeah. for instance, Tamara Matzner, 
professor from British Columbia, University of British Columbia. She has a, a web page that I think it's called something like Design Studies or something like that, where she collects examples of very good design studies. I don't know, uh, Santiago, if you are aware of that, but if you are not no. aware of that, I think you should go there and give a look to this list because I think you should actually end up being very happy with what you find there. There are lots awesome. of... Lots of papers that exactly address exactly the need that you are expressing here. But, but I have said, two comments. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. On that. First, it's not exactly the same, but it, sure. it is super interesting. And I, tell me, tell me. I already knew that in academics, uh, there is, there is a culture of, in visualization academy, there is a culture of assessing, evaluating, etc. It's not exactly the same because one thing is to ask questions to the people and to see what they understood, what they learned, etc. But the other, and that will happen in the industry side, will be to actually measure, measure impact. Something that uh, in, in, in companies they do all the time. They have KPIs, no, they have wait, metrics, sorry, sorry etc. They are measuring return all the time. So That's it's a little bit different. And the second thing is, is this is a paradox because we will expect from industry or practic practitioners in industry to be more pragmatic in that, in that sense, <laughs> more than academics. Normally in, in other cases is like that. It take, for instance, data science, data science in the context of industry, the, the way you, you, you approach learning data science or the results, the papers, etc., or what you find in any blog is about successful cases all the time or, or cases that fail, but it's always related with return. Okay. But so, I'm totally with you. I'm totally with you. But just to make it clear, I think that the, the kind of papers that I mentioned is not evaluation papers where there are some sort of controlled experiments, where some... Okay, okay. It's, it's different and it's very chart. different from that. So there is another whole category for, for that. It's called evaluation. Okay, I'm going okay. to read So design that. studies yeah, is something completely different. It's more measured. I think it's very much measured towards impact, as you said. Like, a, like a, how a concrete system is built and how it was... Um, shaped by the user's input and things like, yeah, documenting the whole iterative approach that you sketched earlier. Yes, I, guess, I think right? if you are familiar with the work with of uh, Mariah Meyer, she's another researcher who does that, and she's be publishing also interesting papers about what's the pro process to achieve good outcomes in this kind of context. So I, I would be happy to send you some links <laughs> and, and to hear from you Please. what you think about it. Yeah. I, and we have two good, new good ideas for this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. They are already oh, in the that pipeline. Will be awesome. <laughs> yeah, 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 that yeah. will be awesome. And I guess you will publish the links in the, in the list of links. Sure, absolutely. Website, right? absolutely. Yeah. But that awesome. said, I am, I am totally with you. I think it's very, very important to, to, to publish case studies out there. And I think some, some time ago, uh, I really liked, I think Moritz, you published something about how you, how many iterations you went through to create uh, the final visualization of one of your projects. And I really, really like that because people need to see what, what's in between, right? I mean, it's not just the, the final outcome. Yeah. So, but that's actually, yeah, a bit it is different, a bit different so, yeah. because these are yeah, the design sure, sure, sketching yeah, case yeah, studies yeah, yeah, and, sure. you know, and, and like how it all happens in sure, my head. Sure. <laughs> but I think what uh, Santiago is, is aiming for is, is this. And it is sort of the elephant yeah, in yeah, the yeah, room. Absolutely. Like, how can we actually absolutely. prove that we, we are doing useful stuff and we change something? Um, that's something I, I'm struggling with in actually like 
actually understanding myself how much impact my work has and uh, I mean let alone proving some impact but I'm, I'm wondering if this is due to the fact that maybe it's what Santiago said maybe the point is that it's not visualization that is important there if visualization is a part of part of a process yeah. right yeah. it's hard yeah, to isolate exactly, exactly. so Santiago <laughs> so I know <laughs> that you are a, a big proponent of, of data <laughs> science in general and I'm curious to hear First, if you consider visualization as one of the steps, one of the bricks that we available in data science, or or what? I think you. So I I just want to mention a, a, a sentence that you wrote to us that is all visualization developers creators should learn data science. So I I think I kind of agree with you, but I would like to understand exactly what you mean. Okay, yes. Oh, um, sorry. And I also want to mention that you said there's a culture in data science totally missing in database. Projects are made to help the client and they are constantly tested, which is exactly what you were mentioning before. Yeah. Yeah. Go yes. ahead. This, this is one thing, the culture of data science. Many of the things happening in the, in the data science uh, methodology or, 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 or the attitude towards a problem or towards data, all the culture in the in the side of data visualization, I think we have a lot to learn about it. So only that is it's already interesting. Uh, but then there are specific things that happen in data science that could be also imported and to some extent should be imported. It's that with data science you have you have a certain very privileged view of the data that you can't have only by visualizing. So I believe visualization, uh, data science should be inc incorporated in, into data visualization only because you can start understanding this more complex relation between the features in the data. So Santiago, and sorry for interrupting. When you say data science, do you mean machine learning, data mining, or something more than that? I just want to make sure I understand exactly how you are using the term. We can, in this conversation, we can use it as a synonym of uh, machine right. learning. Okay, good. Because what you do is basically to try to predict things, right? Mm -hmm. But something I've been working uh, a lot is, is something that I, in, in the, in the mix, in the combination of visualization and, and machine learning, I discovered, well, I am not the only one to have discovered that, but in the process, I, I, I it was clear for me. That, uh, whereas visualization has been used a lot as a tool, as an intermediate tool for data science, the opposite could be true as well. So it's not just that visualization helps, uh, pointing interesting possible models. Uh, it's also that when you build a model, a predictive model, you can use it to generate insight. So it's not only that you can predict things, and that's it. Mm -hmm. You can, if you visualize the model, and you visualize the model working, you can use that as a tool for understanding. Can you give us a, a concrete example of that? I fear that some of the listeners might actually not understand that. Yes. Uh, let's see. I'm going uh, to address a, a, a particular uh, interesting model that I visualize and that is given a lot of insight. Mm -hmm. This is, okay, the model is a decision tree. 
It's, I think it's a good example because the decision tree are, are, are models that can be understood by humans. Can you, you know explain what it is? Sorry for interrupting yeah. again. I just, want to make, I just want to make sure that people understand. Can you explain briefly what is a decision tree? Is, uh, there are different ways to approach the, yeah. what a decision tree is. But one good way is like this. You have a lot of features in your data. And let's say you have, you want to, to understand one of the features. And in particular, you want to understand how the other features explain or has prediction capability to a particular feature. Let's mm. say you have a list of people mm. and you have a lot of data of each person. And let's say that you want to see how the gender of the, of the people is in connection with the other features. Other way to express this is how much the other features can predict gender. That would be a way. Yeah. So it's about prediction and it's about a classification because it's about gender. It's male or female. And the, the first question that comes to, to your mind is which will be the most important feature in all these features I have in order to predict uh, gender, which, which is the most correlated with gender, right? We can find that, but then once you, you've, you found this first correlate, uh, feature that is the, the most relevant to predict gender, you can start combining with other features. So for instance, you found that the, the country of origin is the most important feature to predict gender. But then inside country, you see that age is, is the second most important, etc. So you start building a tree that will actually uh, allow, allow you to eventually predict if this particular person that has this value in these features is a male or female. So the first question is which country this person belongs to or which is the, the, the origin country. And then you continue with the other features in the right order. That's the important thing. So going to having more information to having less information and uh, arriving to a point in which the probability of this person being, let's say, female is extremely high or extremely low. So you arrive to, to a sort of a good point to make a decision. It's something like that. And it looks like a tree because the structure is a tree. And in, in data science, they, uh, they used to visualize the tree, but in a very simple way. What I am doing is a tree you can actually explore and dig and find interesting subpopulations of, of data that combine certain features and that have certain probability of being uh, of a certain category you are exploring. The other interesting thing is that I, I, by interactive means, I allow the user to select which features she or he wants to explore. So it's very powerful because you attack one features against the all other ones. So it, the interaction gives you this possibility. So, and this is not about prediction. Uh, the, the, the client is not using this to predict, but it is, they are using this to, un, to better understand where are the more interesting subpopulation towards a certain uh, feature they want to, to understand. In the, this client, for instance, is very uh, concerned about churn. That is the opposite of loyalty. So ways uh, they are losing clients. So, which are the features that better predict uh, 
client's uh, churn? This is one question. The tree explores all the combination of features to give them the best way to, to find the most extreme cases. So the most loyal people and the opposite, the most churned people. And they know exactly mm -hmm. what combination of features these extremes uh, are based on. I think that's a great example because the decision trees really, they provide you already with a thinking model. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Say. It's very mental. And it can be quite surprising, you know, what comes out of that. And the, I mean, the, the, the problem I think is that uh, most of the machine learning models are not as illustrative. Like, you know, if you use, uh, I don't know, support vector <laughs> machines or um, uh, neural networks or so, you know, you have a good idea of the general mechanism, but how it works in detail on a concrete problem is not so graspable. Yes, I actually right? have it's just it's just weights and numbers and like complex and yeah. <laughs> so, and I think that's a big challenge. Like how how to deal with these black boxes? I have a sort of axis. I have a table in which I have all a lot of the, of um, prediction models, and mm -hmm. and I, I I give a punctuation to each one exactly related with that. Some are very transparent uh -huh. and very close to mind or human mind processing. Yeah. Other, yeah. Others or language. Or language. Yeah. Others are more obscure. So I, I have a, a punctuation. So, but I think many, <laughs> many of the, of the models that seem to be kind of obscure can be restructured or re-narrated somehow. To make them more yeah, visible. Yeah. So the support ve vector machine, it's very geometrical. You have like two lines, two parallel yeah. lines, and you, you, you can sort of explain how the, how the decision is, is made according to the position toward those uh, borders. Mm. It's not impossible. Okay. And then you have interaction. And with interaction, you have a lot of power to understand like dynamic processes. And, and that way you, you, you can, somehow make more transparent a process. But obviously, I will, if, if I want to use data science methods to, for visualization, I will always prefer the ones that are more transparent, more close to human mind process, etc. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, because suddenly you have two problems, like you want to explain the data and the, the algorithm. Yeah. And it's, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard. Do you have any good books or any good like blogs or, you know, people coming from data visualization finding this interesting and they say like, ah, I'd like to learn more about this data science type thing or machine learning. What, what's a good starting point? Well, the problem is that there is a chasm in the middle. I, I, I also, also try to organize like a series of books that will help because this is, this could be useful for, for people working in our team. So people that, that are very data savvy, but they do not know data science. So they are more like doing a lot of visualization and they understand data, but they haven't like do this step towards data science. So I have a recommendation of books. They form a sort of ladder of complexity, but there is, there is a sort of chasm. So in the first block, there are several books that talk about statistics in general. And they are, they are, some of them are really good. You kind of understand the sort of problems, but they do not explain uh, models, of course. They give you a general overview of, of statistics and what data science is and how it can be used. Then there is a chasm, there is a, a hole there. And then the next book, the one I recommend to a, a lot of people, 
but it's not completely easy. It's easier than any other, but it's, but it, it's quite difficult nonetheless. It's, it's a book called Data Science for Business. <laughs> and what is good about this book is, is, is that they connect the, the models with necessity super clear. So whoever is reading this book will understand the connection between the model that is being explained and how it actually helps a team within an organization make decisions or spend a certain amount of money in certain campaign, etc. It's super clear that part. So if you manage to also understand the model, uh, it's, it's fantastic. Like it's, it, it becomes super clear for you what the model is, how it works, etc. And you can eventually reproduce it yourself or start using it. So data science for business is for the time being my recommendation. I agree. I, I have this book okay. and it's, cool. it's really, really good. Yeah, it's good. And I mean, a lot of the traditional machine learning literature is super math heavy yeah. and that's, you basically have to study that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, yes. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't either know like what to recommend. It's very hard. There's a good O'Reilly book, but I can't remember the title. It's something with Python and machine learning or data mining and Python. I'll, I'll look. Yeah. But it's about using, using Panda. It's, it's, I mean, it's about using a, a library. So it also explains a lot, and it's a fantastic book. But it's for people that already code. Ah, it's the collective intelligence ones. It's the programming collective intelligence or something like this. Because I mean, it works more with social media data, but introduces all the data mining techniques you can use. Ah, no, to I'm make talking sense about a different book. I'm talking about data science. Yeah, for you Python. mean the pandas yeah. book? Yeah, we, we can mention that too. We'll provide a little list in the. <laughs> but you know, had I yeah? time, I will totally write a book about data science. For, for people that are not necessarily very strong in mathematics, but because there are many, many methods that can be explained in, in, in a clear way. I think oh, this sure. cast my mention. Santiago, that maybe that's your that new calling. There. Maybe that's your new calling. Maybe you should teach people <laughs> like complex math stuff with cool tools. I, I, I would appreciate that. <laughs> Had I time, I would totally do that. Yes. Ah, uh, we can make time. Come on. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe what I will do is publish some blogs, giving some hints and, and yeah, helping people to make the job. Just little, yeah. little things. I, yeah. I think it would help a lot. And, um, yeah, there are many people are still scared off by like fancy terms and often it's simple stuff. If you, it's super it. simple. Some of them are so close to our own mind processes. I agree. I agree. So sure, actually, sure. I did an, an yeah. experiment with my uh, five years old kid. <laughs> I, I taught him how to data yes, science for one more <laughs> K nearest neighbors. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, I have no, a video, I have a video I want to publish some, at some moment. He actually drawing the, so I, I, I draw a point in the, in the scatter plot and he actually finds the, the K nearest neighbor and he decides what is the classification result. Fantastic. So he totally got it. I mean, and KNN is that. one of those examples of something that is super simple. Super no, simple. No, but I to agree. Understand. There are, there are many machine learning models that are super simple to understand. And the I other agree. thing is once you understand one model, you can then jump to understand yeah. some of the most important, uh, concepts in that data science, such as the problem of bias. How do you test? And so, only one model to actually get the whole idea, I think. 
And so you understand, let's say you understand key and aim and you understand decision trees. Only with these two, you can jump to super interesting concepts that are actually very useful for data uh, visualization yeah. as well. I agree. I think, yeah. So one interesting aspect of that that you briefly mentioned is that I think that there is a long tradition in machine learning of creating models for prediction, right? But there are many of these models that can be actually used for exploration and explanation, right? And, uh, yeah. and I think this is, this is where things get interesting, especially when you pair up machine learning with, with visualization. All those cases where machine learning models can be used to explain or explore something in your data. And I think there are many cases out there where probably you wouldn't easily find anything with visualization alone, but as, lo as, as soon as you apply some, some modeling on top of that, then, then you start getting something really interesting. So I, Absolutely. I, I totally agree with you that the combination of the two in some cases can actually be much, much more powerful. Absolutely. And it's, it's totally unexplored. So many possible combinations. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Yeah, and my which is great. My, yeah, and I also have a feeling that I mean I I, I I'm not sure how true this is, but I guess that most of the machine learning people out there didn't really explore enough this aspect of machine learning, how to use machine learning, even the predictive models, more for exploratory purposes. I think there is a very interesting gap there. There is so many things to do to explore. Yes, I think so. Data is going to stick around for yeah. a while. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, should we wrap it up? We've been talking for, yeah. I we, think we I, have unfortunately to. Unfortunately, yeah. we have to. I would keep talking with Santiago for another. Uh, we'll invite him back next yeah. year. Okay. <laughs> yes. It's been too long. Really? You should come more, more often. <laughs> okay, Where, to Santiago? New York or to... Germany. No, to data stories and to New York ah, as to well. Data story. I mean, ah, yeah. you... <laughs> and Germany. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any conferences you will be speaking at? Where can people see you? Do you have any any travel plans plans uh, yet? Going to London in a couple of weeks, mm -hmm. and for the time being, that's ah in January going to Czech Republic as well. Nice, excellent, yeah. nice, cool. Man, great stuff, Santiago. I, I like the, the general direction. I'm really curious what, what comes out of that. And do write a few yeah. blog posts. I, I would totally <laughs> That's what appreciate I was that. Gonna... Write a medium post. This is what the You should write more. Santiago, yeah. you have interesting <laughs> ideas. Super so, bad writer. So super bad. very Come difficult on. for me to write. No. Super difficult, yes. And record something. <laughs> but at least that, from your that's why you you're a good talker. Yeah. So. <laughs> exactly. From your conversation, we know that we have to write different blog posts. We need a few new books out there. So that's interesting input. So hopefully that's going to inspire some yeah. people listening. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> okay, man. Thanks okay, a lot. Dog. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. It was super bye. good. Thank bye you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
everyone, Enrico here. I really hope you enjoyed the episode with Santiago Ortiz. I think it was really, really nice. So once again, I'm here to talk about Tableau. As Moritz said at the beginning, we are so excited to have a sponsor. Um, so Data Story is supported by Tableau software, helping people see and understand their data. Get answers from interactive dashboards wherever you go. For your free trial, visit Tableau software at T-A-B-L-E-A-U. Once again, T-A-B-L-E-A-U software.com slash data stories. Don't forget to put slash data stories because it's very important that they know that you're coming from us. Thanks a lot for supporting us with this.